over the last two months, uh, our chronological gospels has gotten turned a bit upside down. Uh, we have, uh, we've had visiting uh, speakers come in, and I appreciate them coming and stepping in, but it has been, uh, been a crazy ride, and it's good to get back into it. And if you remember, uh, back in Matthew chapter 4 is where we are at. We are talking about follow me, as Jesus called out his disciples to follow him. Uh, that, that was the last time that we were really focused on the chronological Gospels. We took a skip ahead last week to celebrate the end of those chronological Gospels, and that is the rising of, of Christ. So that was cool, but we are back at it. Now, if you're probably following along, you think, well, if we're in Matthew chapter 4 talking about follow me, naturally the next thing we should go to is Matthew chapter 5, right, which is a Sermon on the Mount. Well, actually it's not. Matthew did not write a chronological Gospel. And the next thing that actually happens in the time sequence is found in Matthew chapter 8. So if you do me a favor, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. And um, if you were really excited about hearing about the Sermon on the Mount, probably come about September, because I think that's about the time we're going to get to it. So um, we, uh, we are looking forward to, to getting back into this. I know I have been. And it's, it's cool to see Matthew, as he writes this out, uh, you have to know that he had a Jewish audience, and that was his main target, was, was to write, and that's the reason why he didn't write in this chronological gospel. Actually, he, he did things in five real parts of his book that pointed to Jesus as the sovereign king, that pointed to Jesus as the Messiah, not just the Messiah uh, to overthrow Roman rule, but to overthrow sin. And that's what Matthew's job was. That's what he wrote the letter for. So as we skip from Matthew chapter 4 to Matthew chapter 8, we'll go back to Matthew chapter 5 eventually, um, we're going to take a look actually at a passage today that has this umbrella, or it's underneath the umbrella, of the authority of Jesus as the sovereign king. Because we're going to look today at Jesus healing a leper. And next week we're going to look at him healing a paralytic. And maybe you know that story about the four guys who brought their friend and dug a hole in the roof and dropped him down in. We're going to look at that next week. And then in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at Jesus healing or uh, calming the storm. And the authority of Jesus as a sovereign king, and not just authority as, as a person, but authority as God to have control over sickness and disease and disasters and all of these things. So as we start to open this door, we're going to look at that from not just Matthew's point of view, but also, also Mark and Luke. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 4 is we're going to read. But we're also going to read Luke chapter 5 and Mark chapter 1. If you don't want to flip real fast, it'll be up here on the screen, as well as on the back of your bulletin. I put all three passages on there, and we're going to read through those right here, right now. So do me a favor. Matthew chapter 8 is we're going to start with. Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 1, I'm going to be reading from the ESV. It says, When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will... You can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Now, we could stop right here. We could dig into this passage just like it is. But I, I want you to see that as Matthew sees it from this angle, Mark sees it from this angle, and Luke sees it from this angle. See, there are different people talking to different groups. Matthew, like I said, was talking to the Jews. Luke took more of a, you know, he was a doctor, so he took this real analytical view towards everything. So I want to see each passage and, and really take pieces of each one so we get a real sense of what's going on here. Because kind of like last week, 
Last week we talked about Peter and John, and they met face to face with a beggar, and they made eye contact with him, and he said, you know, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And the guy stood up and walked. We talked about him dancing into the temples and doing all that kind of stuff. And just kind of a, a whole different story. But we wanted to see it from a real perspective. This is a real person. And these are real people that are witnessing to him and, and reaching out to him and giving the, the power to people to stand up and walk. These are real events that are taking place. I want you to see that the same way today. See this leper as a real person. This isn't just some story that was made up. This is Jesus reaching out and healing. So do me a favor, flip over to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, we're going to read verses 40 through 45. Same story, just a little bit of a different tilt to it. It says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling. And he said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, and some of your translations might say, Moved with compassion. He stretched out his hand and touched him and said, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. I'm sorry, the leprosy left him, and he went, and he was clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once, saying to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priests, and offer for your, uh, for your cleansing what Moses commanded, for proof to them. And he went out and began to talk freely about it, and spread the news, so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. One more look from the book of Luke. Luke chapter 5, excuse me, Luke chapter 5, verses 12 through 15. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But now even more reports about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him, and to be healed of their infirmities. See, there's a lot here. And honestly, I don't think we can cover it all today. So what I've done, if you have your notes there, if you have your bullets on the back of your note page, I put discussion questions for either you to kind of go through on your own or you to sit through as a family um, and uh, you know, kind of look over it and read over it and discuss some of the questions that might come up. If you don't have a bulletin, there's some right over here on this back table, so you can grab one of those if you want to. But um, a- as, you, as you kind of take a look at that, make sure... Make sure that, that you, you look at this from a real perspective, that this is a real person that is digging into this. Uh, before we dive in today, though, I want to pray that God kind of opens our eyes to what this is and, and how this all comes together. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are and what you have done and what you are currently doing. And God, even today as we come to this story, open our eyes to all the different angles we can see this from, that that one, that God, you came down to earth to heal the diseased. And God, that you also have used your church to be your hands and your feet, to reach out to the untouchable. God, open our eyes to what you have for us to see. Open our ears for what you have us to hear. And open our hearts that we aren't cold towards what you want us to do. We pray it all in your name. Amen. Before we get into this man's story, I want to give you just a little bit of a glimpse into leprosy. Now, what I was going to do is I was going to uh, go online and get a bunch of pictures and stuff like that, but really, it was, it was quite grotesque, and I didn't think it was, it was really probably uh, a good thing to show on a Sunday morning. But if you want to Google it, I am not going to, I'm not going to hold you back from doing it. Uh, take a look. at it. it's, a, it's a crazy 
disease. And, and the unfortunate thing is the reason why we have Google pictures of it now is because it still exists today. Now, here in America, we don't have to deal with it nearly as much. There is a, there is a uh, I wouldn't call it so much of a cure, uh, because you would think cure would help everything restore itself, but there is a way to at least stop the disease now. Um, but as, as we look at it, and as we see what's going on, uh, we have to remember there is even still today. In Ethiopia, there was a leper colony that had 100,000 people living in it. That was in, it was near the dump. Um, that, that's, they, they dug in the dump, as a matter of fact. Uh, kind of a crazy situation. Uh, the big tractors that would come in and scoop the trash and move it over here like this. People would run in after the, the scooper came, picked up the trash to dig through whatever was new and whatever fresh that was uncovered before the thing came back down and scooped them again. And they'd have to run back out real fast. And, and this is the, the colony that these people lived in. So it still is a very real disease, but we have to think that it, it's not nearly as bad as it was in the past. And, and we see this leprosy. It's a It's a debilitating skin disease and what it does is it starts off basically as a rash and as it starts off as a rash on your skin and uh and all these these little um bumps and and sores start to show up uh, it slowly begins to spread and it, as it begins to spread it attacks your your skin cells and it attacks the nerves that are in your skin cells so eventually you become desensitized and you can't feel uh, on the places where this these sores have popped up at. And they pop up on your fingers and they pop up on your nose and they pop up on your eyelids and on your ears and there's no way to stop it. And these people would be in pain and suffering. And as, as it would continue to fester and continue to grow, these sores would open up and they would begin to ooze. And they'd be gross and be painful to wash so they, they wouldn't take baths. They wouldn't wash off. So the reason why I'm telling you this and giving this graphic detail, by the way, is because, like I said, I want you to understand this is a real person. This is a real situation. This is Jesus in a real place. And this this guy is having all these issues. And as we see this leprosy begin to spread, and it, it consumes the body, and a numbness sets in, well, things start to happen with this numbness. As a matter of fact, um, because of the, the, the problems with not having any feeling, they would have issues with their, their appendages, the thing, you know, your, your nose and your ears and your, your, your fingers. And like you'd reach to grab something hot and wouldn't realize it was hot because you'd lost all feeling in your hand. So it would cause severe burns on your hand. You wouldn't know it would cause infections. And eventually fingers would literally fall off. Uh, Corey, there is one picture that, th- this is a, a picture of today. I mean, but this is just a, a small little bit like I said, I didn't want to get into all the grotesque things that are out there. But you have to think, this guy is this way. And, and as all of these parts of the body really begin to fall off, and, and you're, you're covered in sores, and you've got, got ooze, and you're dirty, and you're stinky because you haven't bathed, and all of these things, this is, once again, a real deal. And the problem also in this day and age of, uh, of when Jesus was walking the earth was not only were they physically disgusting in a in a religious way they believed they were religiously outcast by god that god had done this to them for some sort of unknown sin now there are times in the bible where god does strike people with leprosy as a punishment but it didn't cover everybody with leprosy it wasn't like a a broad stroke to say anybody who has leprosy has been condemned by god but the religious leaders those who were supposed to show compassion those who were supposed to reach out those who are supposed to do what what god had called them to do weren't doing it because they felt that God had punished them. And as a matter of fact, um, there was some, some reason for that. 
Because we're going to look here shortly into, into Leviticus chapter 13 and 14 because there's an entire 59 verses in the book of Leviticus chapter 13 that talks about what to do if someone contracts leprosy. And then it also talks about in verse, chapter 14 what to do if they're cleansed. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, go and show yourselves as proof to, as what Moses is commanded to do. That's what he's talking about when he says that. But I want you to think about this. Once again, going back to that real part of it all. What if this was you? What if this was you? What if this was your family member? What if you had gotten married? What if you had a child? That this is the day, this is the age, that you're sitting there and you're all sitting around talking and, and your child gets a rash that starts to form on their arm. And as this rash starts to form on their arm, you're just praying that it's just something small. It's just something that, that's, that's going to go away. Just something, I mean, there probably wasn't a whole lot of ointments. Maybe rub a little olive oil on it, something along those lines. But the, there's praying that goes away and begins to spread. And as it begins to spread, you take them to the priest, and the priest diagnoses them with leprosy. And as it lays out, they start having to excommunicate their own child, their own spouse, whatever it might be. And this excommunication is because of what it says in Leviticus 13. See, in Leviticus 13, it talks about this. It says, a leprous person, in verse 45 and 46, who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let their hair of his head hang loose. Basically, you have to be unkept. You you, you don't get to fix yourself up. Uh, Your clothes, because it was such a uh, highly contagious disease, they didn't want somebody to pick up these nice clothes by accident and touch the disease and get it on them. So you had to tear your clothes. You had to rip your clothes up and be tattered and gross. And you're already dirty because you're not bathing very often because of the pain and the sores and all the things go with it. So it says you have to do that. And you should cover your upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. And he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. So once again, we take this and we say, okay, that's a leper. But what if it was you? What if it was one of your family members? What if there's a a place where we could put ourselves in this position? How does that change our view on this disease? Because you know what? There wasn't a cure for it. There wasn't something that could say, you know, everybody come on back in. We got, we got some shots for you to take. It's all good. They had to hang out outside. And, you know, there's actually uh, stories and commentaries and, and different ancient writings that priests would actually carry rocks in their robes that if a leper were to come near them, they could throw the rocks at him to get him to stay away. There are other things that are written to say, if you're going to be downwind of a leper, leper, you have to be at least 150 feet away because if a leper sneezed, you could actually get the disease that way if it if it landed on you and if you were upwind you only had to be 50 feet away but there's this isolation that takes place an isolation that cut these people out and i think as we imagine that and as we see this very real person who is completely isolated from anything and anybody that he knows i think it changes the way that we look at the story i think it changes the way that we see how christ responded to this man and what i want to do is i want to kind of break down the the luke uh, the luke passage because as we see uh the luke passage there's some things that unfold that i think make it very clear to us and we'll, we'll take some different things from from matthew and mark as well but do me a favor go to luke chapter 5 and we're going to kind of flip through that starting again in verse 12 and this kind of what it says here 
as the story unfolds, it really makes what Christ did that much more amazing. Look what it says here. While he was in one of the cities, he being Jesus, while Jesus is in one of the cities, why is this strange? Why is this something important to notice? Well, it's because lepers weren't allowed in the city. They were supposed to stay outside the city. They were supposed to be in a camp on the outs- or outside of the camp. Is basically what it said, and that, that was it. They had colonies outside the camp. They weren't allowed to intermingle. They weren't allowed to touch. As a matter of fact, I go back to that idea of the family. Um, they say that families who had somebody in their family who had leprosy, what they would do is they'd have a neutral place to meet and exchange goods. So if somebody in my family had it and I wanted to get them clothing or money or something along those lines because they couldn't hold a job. There was nobody that was going to work side by side with them. So um, all they could do is beg. So if I wanted to get something to my family, whatever it might be, I would go out and let's say there's a tree stump that's out there and I put everything on a tree stump and I would leave and later my relative who had leprosy would come and get that stuff and go back to his camp or her camp. So they weren't allowed to be in the city. So when we see this, we have to understand this, this leper has broken down every barrier to try to get to Jesus. Because everything is there, everything that's in place is to keep him away from the city. So you have to think, as one of the passages we read said, the crowds followed him. So all these crowds are going around, and here comes this leper, torn clothes, ratty hair, sores all over, oozing, missing limbs, Going, unclean, unclean. And as he comes through the crowd, kids are probably screaming. Moms are hiding their babies. There's people all over the place just scattering because it's just that debilitating of a disease and that contagious, and they're outcast that badly. So put yourself in that place. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. There came a man full of leprosy, and as Luke writes that, he's a doctor, so he is diagnosing this at the fact that this guy didn't just get this disease. It wasn't something that was new. If he is full of leprosy, that means his whole body is covered in it. Now, we don't know. Maybe he's missing fingers. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's got, uh, his nose has fallen off. We don't know. But there's even a point that leprosy attacks the mucous membranes that are in behind the eyes, and your eyeballs will literally fall out of your head. So I know it's, it's a gross thing to think about, but this guy was full of leprosy, and nobody wanted to touch him. Nobody wanted to be near him. And as he walks up, he says this. Actually, he fell on his face and he begged him when he saw Jesus. Now, this, this whole idea of the leprosy attacks, not only is it attack on the outside, but it's attacking joints, and it's attacking the knees, and it's attacking all of this. So, so falling on his face was not something he probably did gracefully. It wasn't like he just got down and did it. Everything hurts, all the sores. He's covered in dirt. He's covered in all sorts of stuff. He just falls on his face and he begs jesus now it's kind of a crazy thing to think about but when do we come to jesus when's the time that we come to jesus just a, just a side note in all this this man is desperate it says he begged him he got down on his face as a matter of fact if you read the book of matthew the the and i'm not some greek scholar so please don't make me uh, don't make i don't want you to think something like that uh, i read books that tell me what the greek says so um the uh the Greek word in Matthew is actually he got down and worshipped him. He got down and worshipped him. And, and he begged him. And he said, Lord. That's the next thing we see. Is he says, Lord. Calling Jesus out as Lord. If you look at your translation, it's not a little L. It is a capital L. Which means I am calling you who you are. The son 
of God. I recognize you for who you are. Maybe he's not the Lord of his life yet, but he recognizes him as Lord. He said, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. So he's down on his face. He's begging. He's worshiping. He's in a very vulnerable position at this point in time. You got to think that there's priests probably with pockets full of rocks, ready to throw, ready to do anything they can to get this guy out of the city because they don't want to get him to contaminate anybody else. Nobody wants to touch him, but he's on his face saying, Jesus, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And the craziest thing is, is this, he's in this humble, vulnerable position. He's down on his face. He is crying out, and he's begging Jesus because he is full of leprosy. And, you know, when they say that, it could have been decades of dealing with this disease. People live for 20 to 25 years on average with this disease if infection didn't take care of him first. I mean, it's just crazy to think about this. And as he does it, what does verse 13 tell us? And Jesus stretched out his hand and did what? He touched him. He touched him. I I don't think we take in the gravity of this situation and the amazingness that is behind it. When Jesus reached out and touched him. Because see, Jesus, in other passages that we've read, in other passages that we will read, healed people from far away. He, he healed the centurion's daughter, not even going. And why did he reach out and touch him? Why would he touch a leper? Why would he touch somebody who is contagious and diseased and full of nastiness and stink? Why would he do that? You know Why? So you realize that's what the person needed. Because I can only imagine being this guy, that he's down on his face. He hasn't had physical contact in years, if not decades. Nobody has touched him. Nobody has reached out because they were afraid of what might happen. And he goes and he begs Jesus. And my guess is he's probably on his face and he's probably down begging and he's saying, please, just heal me. He's expecting Jesus just to say a word. He's not expecting to be touched. And something happens and something touches his shoulder. Something touches his forehead. Something something he hadn't experienced in a long time. Human touch. And you have to to admit, these crowds are all around. And everybody's watching. Everybody's sitting and and they're, they're taking this in because... They have no idea how Jesus is going to react. And Jesus is talking to them, and he's working with them, and he's working his magic, and he's doing some awesome things, and he's probably proclaiming the Lord, and he's doing all sorts of things, and they're all, oh, this is great. And this guy comes and interrupts and says, Lord, if you will, make me clean. And he says, I will. He stops everything else. Gives his attention to this one person who has never had attention before, who has been completely outcast, is untouchable and unlovable, and he reaches down and he touches him, and he shows love to him. And as we look at it, we have to think to ourselves, Jesus still does that today. It wasn't a one-time event. We look at people who are unclean. We look at people who are untouchable. Guess what? We were once unclean and untouchable to God because of the sin and the nastiness that was on us. Yet Jesus came down and he touched us and he healed us. See, touch is an amazing, ga- uh, uh, an amazing gift. And that's why Jesus did it. See, you, you have to think there's probably the crowd that is standing around and they all went, ah! as soon as Jesus reached out and touched him. Because 
There were man-made rules, not one of the 59 verses in Leviticus 13, um, but there were man-made rules that if a person touched a leper, then they would also be unclean. They would be ceremonially unclean. And Jesus said, you know what? I'm throwing man's rules aside, and I'm following the biblical rules of love your neighbor. And he reached out, and he touched him. And I can imagine that people were probably trying to figure it all out, but, but Jesus knew the power of touch. I mean, psychologists know, child development psychologists know the power of touch. They know that without touch, people will die. That they will not develop nearly as fast. And it's amazing to know that Jesus knew that. And he knew this guy needed touch. And he reached out and he touches him and he says, listen, you're clean. Can you imagine what was going through that guy's head that very moment? All the things that he was supposed to do. Stephen Bonner is sitting over here. It was his 61st birthday, so I thought for your 61st birthday this week that I would, I would go back to a hymn for you, a hymn from the 60s. And uh, it was called He Touched Me by the Gaithers, and maybe you've heard it. And I'm not going to sing it because you guys would all leave. But... Um, and then it would also probably be on some sort of like recording and it would get made fun of and go viral and all kinds of stuff. But I will read it to you. I will read it to you and tell you what it says. Because in it, you can picture this leper, but at the same time, you can picture us. She's shackled by a heavy burden neath the load of guilt and shame. Then the hand of Jesus touched me. Now I am no longer the same. He touched me, oh, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know. He touched me and made me whole. You see, it says here in this verse, I will be clean, and immediately the leprosy left him. Now, I have no idea what the situation was here. If it was just a cleansing and the leprosy left him, or if his skin slowly started to restore itself, and all of a sudden, boop, you know, fingers started, boop, popping up on his hands and it was just kind of cool and his nose grew back i don't know how the whole situation was but you have to you have to think that that jesus doesn't heal us half-heartedly he heals us in whole and you think about that even that verse right there that something happens and now i know he touched me and he made me whole since i met the blessed savior since he cleansed me and made me whole i will never cease to praise him i'll shout it while eternity rolls we think about that even in our own lives. We think about in this life. But look what Jesus tells him to do in verse 14. And he charged him. He charged him to tell no one. Now, why would he do that? Come on. You've been sick for 15 years. 20 years. You haven't had physical touch. You've lived outside the camp. You haven't seen your kids. You haven't seen your wife. You haven't seen your spouse, whatever it might be. You haven't had any sort of contact whatsoever. And Jesus says, hey, by the way, don't tell anybody. You think, you think that's something that's going to be easily obeyed? No, it's not going to be. But you know what? He doesn't even explain why he says it. He just says, don't tell anybody. And as a matter of fact, go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing. If you look at Leviticus 14, it talks about having to take two sparrows and, and one of them get, or they both get washed under purified water and one gets set free and one gets sacrificed and you take two goats. There's all this crazy stuff you're supposed to do if, if you were a leper and now you want to be determined whether or not you're clean or not. You can read it. I can get into it, but we go here forever. So, um, but look what it says. It says, but now even more, 
the report about him went abroad. Well, why why'd the report about him go abroad? And great crowds, crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. Well, you look at that and you say, well, how did that happen? Look at Mark's version. Mark's version, verse 44, chapter 1. He said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer your uh, cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But instead, he went out and began to talk freely about it and spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. So he doesn't give any explanation on why not to do it, but he tells them what to do. And we don't know, maybe this guy does go to the priest, but and he goes out and he openly shares about it. Do we have any idea why Jesus might say, don't do that? It's right there found in that verse. That when he went out and openly shared about it, Jesus could no longer go into the towns because his popularity grew so much. His ministry to the people inside that city had changed because this guy's disobedience. And I know that sounds harsh because a guy just got healed. We'd all do the same thing. But yet, think about this. How many times in our lives do we ask that question, how far is too far? What should I do? What shouldn't I do? It doesn't clearly state in the Bible, but it kind of says don't, but we're not sure. We're kind of in that area. And it goes for all different sorts of things. And we say, how far is too far? We talked about it on Wednesday night at youth. How far is too far? That question that always comes up. And Jesus says, don't do this, do this instead. This is what I want you to do. Why? Well, if you would have went and told the priests, instead of telling everybody else, these priests were already kind of anti-Jesus. Because just a few chapters before, we read about him cleansing the temple. They weren't real happy about that. So they're a little bit anti-Jesus. So what happens when they, this leper goes and says, hey, I need you to go through all the ritual stuff to make sure that I'm all good because this Jesus guy touched me and he healed me. That's going to be a whole different view to the priest to say, well, we really can't deny his power. Yet he went and told everybody else, which caused this ministry to falter, to, to have some hindrances in the cities. So now Jesus has to go out to the desolate places. And we see all of this kind of lay out, and we say, well, how did this happen? How did it come about with all this? How many times in our lives do we think that we're doing something right, and yet we're hindering somebody else from meeting Jesus? How many times in our lives do we do that? And this testimony it could have changed everything had he gone to the priests. But yet, now what does it say? So that Jesus could no longer really openly enter a town, but was outside in desolate places. See, his disobedience caused people not to hear the message, but also it caused him to trade places with Jesus. Because this guy was originally in a desolate place. This guy was originally left outside the town. He could not enter. And now he has met Jesus. Jesus touched him. And what happened? They traded places. Because now Jesus cannot enter the towns. And now he is left out in desolate places. You think, by chance, this story was a greater picture of what Jesus was about to do? That he was going to come to earth and that he was going to reach out and touch us. And when he touched us and healed us, that it would actually cause him to have to trade places with us, to trade places in heaven with us for that time that he hung on the cross and his father had to reject him and turn his back on him? so that we could be accepted? Do you think maybe that's what was taking place here in this small microcosm of Jesus touching one man that really it was a sign of him touching humanity and healing them from that disgusting disease called sin? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. And the crazy thing is, is as we look around and as we see people that are unlovable and untouchable and unable to have that connection with God, what are we doing to hinder them meeting Jesus? What are we doing to keep them from Jesus? What are we doing to not go out there? Because we see ourselves as that religious group that wants to have rocks that throw at the people that are down and out, not instead of reaching out to the people. Now, you'll see on, on your, on your, on your uh, chairs there, there are those connection cards. And I kind of spread them out for all of you guys to, to have one as a family or as, a, as an individual, whatever you want to do. And the reason for it is this. Last week, it... It's not that it wasn't already real, but it became that much more real to me. As I invited people to Easter, as I talked to people, and, and the question was, was, well, where exactly is that church at? Is that that one that kind of looks like it's upside down uh, over there? And, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, I, I don't know, it's just past Lowe's over there, just past those neighborhoods. I'm like, no, that, that's Destiny Center or Catalyst Church or whatever it's called now. Um, I, I said, you got to go past Lowe's. And, and keep on going, and we're the only building there on the left. That's us. Um, and they're like, oh, okay, so, so what's it called again? And as these questions arose, something came to my mind. Why don't people know about us? Simple question. Why don't people know about us? What is it that we are not doing for people to know about us? And even more so, what is it that we are not doing for people to know about Jesus Christ? See, he came and he traded places for us, but he also came and he traded places for them. And there's a battle that goes on every day, a battle for souls. And Jerome and I were talking about this week, what other army do you know that their goal is to get people they are battling into the training center to get them to change? Because that's exactly what we do in the church. We say, well, if you come to the training center, we can get you to our side instead of going out and fighting the battle on the actual battlefield. That is our job. And on those connection cards, this is what I want you to do. I would love to say that I have every idea out there that it's just going to work, but I don't. I really don't. But maybe you've been in a church. Maybe you've seen it work. Maybe you have an idea that's never been tried before, and you just got this crazy outlandish idea. I can't say that we're going to do it, but I do want to read about it. I want you to write those down at the back of that connection card. You don't have to put your name. You don't have to put anything. If you want to, it'd be great. That way I can follow up with you and say, hey, what do you mean by this? But I want, I want to figure out how we can reach the unreachable, how we can touch the untouchable, because you know what we are? We're the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. And he has called us to reach the unreachable and touch the untouchable. How do we do it? Because we're not doing it from here. You know, Kevin and I, we've had some talks, and he said, hey, let's put together some lists of people that are able to do. Because there's some people in here that need help with their swamp cooler, and they can't do it. And there's other people in here that can do a swamp cooler because they do them all the time, and they know exactly how to do it. How do we get those people connected? How do we get those people connected with your neighbor who doesn't know Jesus, who needs their swamp cooler switch? How do we do it? It's about doing. It's about getting out there. It's about showing the love of Christ, not just telling it, but also showing it and being a part and getting out and helping and reaching out. You know what? I'm hoping to do the Memorial Day Parade. Just a couple, as crazy as it is, it's only like five weeks away, four weeks away. But we want to do the Memorial Day Parade. You know what? I'm not a parade coordinator. I know I look like one, but I'm not. 
But if you have that amazing ability how to decorate a float or do something or have something to pass out, come and talk to me. Or I'm just going to say, go ahead and do it. Let's run with it. Let's be able to be a part of the community in some way. Let's get out there and not just say, hey, aren't you that one church that's over there by the farmer's building? No, that's more than that. Aren't you the one church to help my neighbor? Aren't you the one church that was out there doing this in the community? Aren't you that one church? That's what I want to hear. And that's what we should all want to hear. And sometimes we look and we say, oh, it's so difficult. You think it was easy for Jesus to reach down and touch this guy? Probably not. Because he knew everything that was going to come with it. But yet he did it anyway. And that's what he's called us to do. Because Jesus was ultimately in the business of changing lives. And that's why we have the saying, come as you are, be changed, go change the world. We come just as we are in our sin state, in our leprous condition, in our disgusting look that we have, and we are changed by Jesus because he's touched our lives. And you know what we're supposed to do in a turn? Go change the world. You know what? And this guy did that. Didn't do it the right way, but he did it. He went out and changed the world, and people started flocking to Jesus and squeezed him out of towns. That's our challenge to do as well. So on those connection cards, if you can do that today, great. If you have an idea that hasn't quite progressed in your mind, you want to think it through, take one of those with you. Write it down. Give it to me this week. Put it back in the tithing offering box today. Put it in there next week, however you want to do it. But I want to see what our church can do to be more than just a building that is on Northern. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are, and thank you for sending your son into this leper colony, into this place that is full of that disease called sin, the, 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 the disease that has built a barrier between you and I and, and you and this world. But you sent your son to reach down here and to take that sin away so that we could be perfect in your eyes, so that we could have a relationship. And at the cost of his relationship with you for that time that he was on the cross, God, we are so thankful for that, that you and he would be so giving and sacrificial. And God, all you've called us to do in, in return, the fact that you died and rose for us is that we live for you. And not just live with our mouths on a, on a Sunday morning and, and sing songs but God, that, that we live it out in our lifestyle every day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, that we celebrate the resurrection of your son, Jesus. And God, we think about even the song we're about to sing. Come, ye sinners, poor and needy, weak and wounded, sick and sore. Jesus stands at the ready to heal us, to take those burdens from us. And God, we may know that already in this room, or maybe we don't. And I pray for the person that doesn't, that God, they, they understand that even today. But those of us who do know, it's not a secret to hold on to. It is something we need to share with this world, to go and to touch the untouchable and, and love the unlovable. God, help us to do that. We pray it all in your name. Amen. You know, I think about it as we get ready to sing this song. You know, just the idea of, of touch. Indale, who's sitting back here in the back, he's, he's ready to sing along with the song too. He likes singing along with the songs. But um, 
know, some people ask, how did the process go so fast for you guys? How did it happen like that? So I have no idea other than God. That's the only explanation I have. Because the process normally is, is that you turn in paperwork and then you wait for a referral. Well, we didn't do that. They gave us the referral and said, get some paperwork done so we can get this kid to you. And it was just a, a backwards way of it was. We didn't go and choose him. God chose him for us. Because he was on his way to an institution. An institution where they put special needs children to just basically grow old and die. And we had no idea about that. We didn't know how it all worked out. Um, if you watched that video uh, at, the, at the thing yesterday, just the, the very first picture, it was so sickly and so uh, just rough. And to see the transformation, even to what he is today, is, is amazing. And it's nothing I can take credit for. It's nothing that we can take credit for. It's what, what God has done. And, and to see that take place, to know that there's others out there, there's institutions that are out there that are full of special needs, adults that are literally laying on a floor, that are literally tied to chairs, that get fed three times a day and rarely touched. And to think about that could have been him. It's just mind-blowing to me. But, but there's people in this world that need the love of God. The need to see that change that takes place. And it doesn't have to be across the world. It's next door. There are people that are hurting. There are people that are financially just devastated. There are people that are all over. If you look on, the, on your bulletin, you'll see we have a benevolence fund that I was, I was mentioning. We've had quite a few people come to us recently. Say, hey, we need help with this. We need help with that. If you can help out with a benevolence fund, which is what we're able to give to the community, what we're able to give to people within our church to help them with whether it be a bill or get groceries or whatever it is. And it doesn't have to be cash. You can go get Walmart cards or gas cards or things like that just to help alleviate some of the, the pressure that people are, are feeling that we could reach out to the community and help them in that way. Um, you know, like I said, it, we, are, we are surrounded by, by people that are in pain. The people that are have been excommunicated. They're acting like it. They're not walking around saying unclean, unclean, but if they, if they uh, had to, they probably would. And we need to reach out to them because that's what we are as the church. So even as we sing this song, this Come Ye Sinners, think about either yourself and where you were to bring it to this point or maybe somebody that, that needs to know about Jesus Christ as we sing this. Drum, drum.